Hour one of the Plank Show was brought to you by our good friends at Van Hoos Fence. 405-735-1167. Get your fencing needs taken care of. With Mark and Tessa, the premier fencing company in Oklahoma, Van Hoos Fence, free uh, estimates, customer satisfaction, their top priority, vhfence.com. Hour two brought to you by Allison Insurance, allisoninsurance.com. If you're just waking up on this Tuesday morning. Good Good morning. morning. Happy Halloween. Happy November. Merry Christmas. My favorite months. We get to uh, we get to dive into Christmas talk for the entire month and next month too. But skip right over Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's like you guys don't even care about the number two holiday on the depth chart behind the Fourth of July. What are you doing? But here's here's what we learned last night. Number one, Cincinnati makes no sense in the National Football League. The Bengals get housed. By the Cleveland Browns, 32-13. 32-13. So that wasn't good. Meanwhile, uh, Roquan Smith got traded to the Ravens. And did you hear the little caveat? What, they give up a second-round pick? I think they gave, they gave up a second-round pick for Roquan Smith. If they don't re-sign him, Josh, they get a third-round pick as compensation. So, okay. Win-win. Gosh, the Ravens, that was smart. But we'll see exactly how things play out, trade deadline coming up in the NFL. And and Brian Harson got fired by Auburn. Cadillac Williams is going to take over as their interim head coach. Saw they also fired two assistants and a couple support staffers. Offensive coordinator Eric, I believe it's Kesu. Titans coach Brad Burdell, recruiting coordinator Darren Ursher, chief of staff Brad LaRondo, and general manager and director of scouting and development Drew Fabian were fired. It's kind of wild because who was the guy that Auburn wanted whenever they ended up getting Harson? Who was the guy that they offered the job to? Brent Venables. And he said no. Now, I... I think it ends up being a blessing because you can't help it. I mean, it's guys. Harson was hired two years ago, and it's already a brand new head coach and a new AD. It's wild. It makes no sense. Yeah, but so probably a blessing in a lot of ways. And I think he's ended up in a spot here at OU where he's going to get everything he wants. Plank, the university was investigating its head coach last spring at Auburn. They were looking for ways to try to fire him with cause. Sure. It just what a wild story. All right, any, anything else that I'm missing on the headlines ah, from last night? I think we're good. I don't, yeah, I think I think we're good. I mean, uh, Major League Baseball World Series oh, got pushed back a day. Yeah, they had rain issues in Philadelphia, so they'll play. And in fact, that sets up a wild Thursday night game because on Thursday night you have the Ravens. Not is it the Ravens and the Eagles on Thursday night? And then on at seven o'clock around that same time, you got the Phillies and the Astros. So, what to do as a Philly fan? Your football team is undefeated. They play the Texans on Thursday night. Ravens were the Buccaneers this week. And the good news, at least it's in Houston. And then at that exact same time, you've got the Phillies and the Astros. You know what Sunday night is this week, Josh Helmer? Your boys, Chiefs and Titans. Andy Reid does not lose after a bye week. Knock on wood. 
Gosh, Monday Night Football is Baltimore and New Orleans. Yo, I'm going to tell you something right now. Yes, New Orleans beat the snot out of the Raiders, but they are so bad. Baltimore is going to destroy them on Monday night. We think. Guaranteed. Uh, you know, I'm going to start doing that now. I guarantee it. You can guarantee Guaranteed. <laughs> um, Here's a couple quick ones real quick off the Air Comfort Solutions text line. If you want to be a big dog in the SEC, you absolutely must have one or two big-time interior defensive linemen in every class. Period. Yeah. Period. The uh, Yeah, we're not saying you, you don't. The Caden McDonald thing, is it okay if I'm sort of a little bit of both? I I am definitely part – look, Todd Bates was the 2019 Recruiter of the Year. Relax. Yeah. This is a DeMarco Murray situation all over again. Relax. And then the other part of me is, well, proof is in the pudding, right? Like you have to go – you got to get a DJ Hicks, right? You have to to get a Caden McDonald, yeah. and that has been the missing link for Oklahoma. So, I kind of see sure. both sides a little bit. I completely understand, but any, I mean, any more? Are you convinced that maybe a dude that you're in on right now doesn't eventually end up at OU? I'm not. I'm not convinced that David Hicks isn't going to be a Sooner. And by the way, I'm not convinced that maybe a couple of guys they've lost out on last year. Or, or maybe that Brent might have lost out on a Clemson doesn't end up here eventually. Ooh, a Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy perhaps? I mean, I'm just – my point more than anything else is we we got to readjust the way we think about it. I mean, we really do. And I know – this is like me telling my son not to be brokenhearted about his girlfriend breaking up with him, right? And not – oh, gosh, not like that happened. But – Did it happen? <laughs> it's not – no, Josh, it didn't happen, wink, wink. But I tell him, like, listen, dude. Poor guy. This doesn't matter. I know this sounds terrible, but it just, it, right now, in your world where you're freaking out about this. Yeah, it, it matters it to matter. you today. Right. So you, you want to freak out about this player, but in the grand scheme of things, with Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis and Brent Venables, doesn't matter. It ain't going to matter. I, his loss. His loss. Sure, he may end up being a play. Sure, he may end up. I want to make sure I said sure, not the S word. I don't want to get in trouble with anyone. Sure, it might not matter. Or he might end up being a great player, but guess what? I'm confident Oklahoma's going to go get their guys. And guess what? I'm not so sure that in a year from now you go somewhere and you realize, well, I really missed an opportunity to go. Not just oh you, but here, there, there, and you end up somewhere else. It's it's, it's wild, dude. Don't be get mad. It's like, oh, hate that. Well, let's move on. Who's next? Who's the next target? Who's the next guy? It just. I would be terrible on these recruiting websites. Terrible. Terrible. I'm terrible talking about it here because I'm supposed to tell you to freak out and be mad about things, but I don't. Calm down. Look what you've done to me. What's my blood pressure at right now? It's very low. <sighs> You're very relaxed. Oh, well, we need to. Yes, you do. <laughs> I didn't know this was the only guy in the country. All right. Stay the course. Stay just, the course, people. Everybody just calm down, including me. Well, and you're right, though. To to what you said right there, I, I do think the, you know, we have a tough time adjusting away from the old guard, which the old guard is you get it done in the recruiting class, right? Right. Recruiting class is your lifeblood, and that's, that's final. Well, the transfer portals changed the game, and, you know, I do think, I do think that the recruiting class itself – is always going to be numero uno, right? That's where you want to start. Sure. But 
you can fill cracks. You can find players through the transfer portal, and I think you can find defensive tackles out of the transfer portal, right? I know that, obviously, uh, some folks would probably point to Jonah Laulu or, you know, some you know different pieces that uh, Jeffrey Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't necessarily been the types of contributions that maybe you were totally looking for. I don't think that that's gospel, that that's how it plays out every single cycle. Just, I would be terrible at it. I would be terrible at it. I just don't, I'm too level. I would be terrible, let me rephrase that. Not that anyone that covers recruiting acts like this. Parker is about as even keel of anyone I've ever met in my life. Obviously, I've been around Kerry for a long time. He's not freaking out about guys that leave. I wouldn't be a good, I wouldn't be a good sports radio caller or message board poster. I guess is the way to put it. By the way, the Chicago White Sox. There is one little tidbit of breaking news that we missed before we get to Jeff Levy here, and I just had to laugh because the Chicago White Sox hire their manager, and it's Pedro Griffol. We have now entered the phase where I don't even know the guys who are getting hired as managers in baseball. I have no idea who that dude the Kansas City Royals hired was. Thank goodness the Rangers hired Bruce Bochy. Pedro Grafal? Who? He's been on your staff. He's been the Royals bench coach since 2013? You, he couldn't even get the Royals job and now the White Sox hire him? Boy, that's going to be a fascinating little development if he winds up being great. I know, right? <laughs> With the Chai Sox they, for Kansas they City. Get their guy. <laughs> All right, let's hear it from Jeff Levy. I don't want to get yelled at for talking too much baseball. All right, um, let's start here. Let's start here. We'll get to Ted Roof after the break. Dylan Gabriel appears to be Josh Helmer running the football quite a bit. And I, in fact, I even asked DeMarco Murray about it yesterday during Coach's Corner. You'll see it on Wednesday, and you'll hear it on the podcast Friday morning. But they talked about design run, being smart, and just seeing Dylan Gabriel as a weapon running the football whenever uh, Coach Levy met with the media yesterday morning. I think he's going to do it when, when it's needed, you know, just to be able to keep people honest. There was a couple of different times in the game where you saw that, that were – you know, a couple of big conversions, one on a third down, one on a second, two, where he kept the football and then had a chance for a couple more there uh, in the in the red zone that we don't execute cleanly that, uh, that that were called runs for him. So he'll do it situationally for us, and uh, and he, he's got a good feel. And then I thought he did a really nice job on a couple of scrambles, being able to keep a couple of things alive. Instead of being second and ten and throwing it away, he's able to go gain five yards and six yards and, and keep things alive. So he'll he'll do it as he needs to. Remember, we were having a conversation last week, I think, and again, who covers OU as, as well as anyone over at Sooners, All Sooners. All Sooners. And I think he had written the article that we were like, I don't, it's like time for Dylan Gabriel to stop running, right? And it was it was a well-written article, but I, I just don't think that's going to happen in this offense in the way that it's set up, ever. So when Jeff Levy was at Ole Miss, it was, hey, their quarterback – Matt Crowley's going to have to be able to run the football. And you're going to see it opens up and it keeps the defense honest. Not saying you need Kyler back there or Jalen Hurts, but it's going to keep a, it's going to keep a defense all, all honest. It's part of the Jeff Levy offense. Ding, ding, ding. Now, in addition to being asked about 
Dylan Gabriel, as you might imagine, there were a lot of Baylor questions. Um, you know, he he got a little bit nostalgic very late in the press conference, talking about, "Hey, that was a that was an important that was an important era in my life." Obviously, it didn't end like any of them wanted, but there was some conversations about Baylor and the impact it had on on, on Jeff Levy. There was also some conversations about Baylor and what they do well as a defense, because there might not be that big-time playmaker like they had last year. They might struggle in the secondary a bit, but, boy, they got some long, strong – I don't want to say thick dudes because that's an out-of-contact. They got some big dudes. Down to get the friction on? In the interior, right. They're big. They're long. Uh, they've got really good energy about them. They're playing with a ton of toughness right now, so uh, that that's what jumps off the tape. You know, We're going to have to go take it. They're not going to give us anything on Saturday afternoon, so that's uh, that's going to be the plan. A little bit more on Baylor here because, as I just brought up, this is a team that, again, while they've they've struggled, it's it's kind of – I'm not sitting here taking a victory lap by any stretch of the imagination, but it was one of my issues that I had with them in the preseason. Josh, they lost so much defensively, and I get it that you're now saying, oh, well, it's a development team, and so they're going to bring these – I agree, but still – you're not replacing fourth and fifth round dudes. You're placing first and second round talent, right? They had elite talent defensively last year, and um, now they're in a situation where they've got good dudes on the inside. That's where their experience is. That's where their depth is on the interior of both lines. They're, I mean, they are. They're really, really stout inside, uh, have played really well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think for us it's about – being really efficient, being really good on first down, finding us in some better third down situations, uh, and, and staying on the field to, to create uh, you know as much stress as we can for them defensively. But they're incredibly stout inside and, and playing well. All right, so I thought the question of the press conference was as it pertains to where the Oklahoma offense is right now. And – it's real simple, and I fall into this category to say, well, OU's offense is performing better because Dylan Gabriel is back. But a great question, hey, we all know Dylan Gabriel being back is a big deal. What else has kind of caught your eye about helping this offense click a little bit? And I'll tell you what, Josh, it's probably one of the longest answers we've ever got from Jeff Levy, and it's fantastic because it's, right, it's simple. Well, Dylan Gabriel's back, so you're set. True. But what else? Yeah, I think we've continued to get better week by week up front. We did not execute the way we needed to the other day to stay on the field and and to take advantage of some situations where, you know, felt like we we could have really gotten out away from them. And to me, that changes the entire game. And instead of it being 14 points and being a war there at the end, you got a chance to get away from them a little bit. It's a credit to Iowa State because – that's what they do. They make it incredibly hard on you. You have to make plays down the field and create explosives to get away from them. We weren't able to do that. But, uh, again, it's like we talked about after the game, proud of the way we played, You know, not how we played the, the entire time, but we played with great intent and toughness. And I think that's what's shown up as much as anything. They do look tougher. And – it's been a constant theme on this here very radio program, and that is, you know, the the Bill Beanbow difference. Hey, might take him a couple of games to figure out the rotation and where he wants guys, but once they do, it clicks. I mean, I go back a lot to 2015. 
Drew Samia. They, had Jos- they were rotating some guys at right tackle. Josiah St. John, that was the year when everyone was freaking out about Josiah St. John tipping the plays in the OU Texas game. Drew Samia kicks out right tackle. Boom, different team the rest of the year. Moving Cole Ford. <laughs> Moving Cody Ford to, to right tackle. Don't know how it's going to work. Took a little bit of time, but, man, once it clicked, it clicked. Same thing whenever, you know, we we flipped around tackles. Oklahoma, Bill Beanbow flipped around tackles the last few years. Last year was a great example, right, and Tyrese Robinson moving outside. Took a little time, but eventually it, it clicks. Kind of feel that same way with this this offensive line. It's click. And you do have an offensive coordinator now, Josh, who is a, a former offensive lineman, so – Obviously, things are looking a little bit different. Speaking of that, are they looking different? When we come back, Dave Aranda offers his assessment of the OU running game. Okie dokie from Look, Dave Aranda. From Dave Aranda, which means it's going to be very Pure deep, electricity. Very deep thinking. Um, they run the ball well. Got some good offensive linemen. But Dave Aranda... And it's, I had to stop doing my impersonation and almost put me to sleep. But Dave Randa coming up next, plus uh, what Ted Roof had to say leading into this Saturday's game against Baylor right here on The Ref. <laughs> That's a funny text, Sean. All right, so we started connecting a few dots on the coaching carousel to have maybe even more of an influence on Oklahoma. We'll get to that coming up in just a bit. Midwest City Jeff wants to know if we think Dylan Gabriel has any characteristics like Baker Mayfield. It's different. You see, Dylan Gabriel is left-handed. Baker Mayfield was right-handed. Nothing? Nobody? Come on. And he's not the same boisterous guy. Uh, yeah, his, Dylan's really calm, really laid-back dude. There's not much. And, and it. I don't see him get frustrated. Like these, he's got that. That's more of a Kyler personality. Like what was the biggest story in the NFL a couple weeks ago? Kyler Murray walking over to the sidelines and and going after Cliff Kingsbury, telling him to calm down because it's just not him. It's Dylan. Dylan's really, really calm, really cool, really chill. The escapability doesn't feel the same to me. Baker had this sort of magic man quality sure. about him, almost Roethlisberger esque, and. Gabriel, I don't think that he's bad at escaping the pocket, and actually I think he runs a little better than Baker Mayfield, but there's something – the pocket presences are different, don't you think? Absolutely, 100%. And then the other thing, you know, I would probably – I just don't think – I think they're all so incredibly unique that, you know, there's not really much. I would say Dylan's leadership is a little bit more like Jalen's. Only he doesn't have to constantly tell you about it, and and again, right? I mean, in in roundabout ways, where would Jalen Hurts be in the post game, working out? Right? He'd be in the in the weight room, and when he was talking about leadership, he'd tell you he he'd tell you the stories about the coffee bean and the being one and zero, and and our goal is to win the week. Dylan's a little different, right? I that that did sound smart. I didn't mean it to mean a shot at Jalen. Jalen, uh, do you want to win this week? Want to go one and zero? Want to go one and zero? But yeah, Dylan's just a little different. Now, if you're just talking football wise, he's probably the third best thrower in that group. 
boy, Jalen's become a great deep ball thrower in the NFL, which I didn't expect watching him in college. But to me, I still think Kyler's the best thrower and runner of all of them. But Agreed. If, but if you want to, you know, Baker had that it that maybe Kyler connected with fans more than Kyler. But And it worked perfectly in that offense, man. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You only got the one year with Kyler. Yeah, so yeah, one year. If Though, you had had that be a little bit more of an extended run, I think that Kyler would be as beloved as almost anybody that's ever played quarterback at OU. Though that was a pretty wild couple of weeks whenever Gil Brandt had thrown out there that it was in the cards for Kyler to potentially come back to college because he was enjoying it so much. That was fun while it lasted. And then he got taken number one, number one. And it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Um, That's a good question. I Okay, so I had an interesting scenario posed to me last night. And I'm sure this has already made the rounds. But I hadn't, like I said, I I listen to this show nonstop, this, the station nonstop. I've heard this brought up. But now when people see the success that Hype is having and knowing how things went with Lane Kiffin, you know it's become a very popular con- – did I say Lane Kiffin? Sorry. With Lincoln Riley, it's become that very popular conversation. What if Hype had been given Baker Mayfield? What if he had got that year with Baker? Could Oklahoma have been doing what Tennessee is doing? And it, I'm just here to tell you, I, I brought up Josh a couple weeks ago, right before Alabama-Tennessee, right? And we talked about it and how, you know, you hope someday there's a time whenever maybe it's the 30-year anniversary of the 2000 National Championship team, right? Maybe it's the 40-year. You hope that there's Josh Heupel waving his hand. 50-yard line, crowd going wild. Right? You, you, you hope. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. But it should. It's time it to should. let bygones be bygones. But the funny point, the funny part, and I bring that up because when we did even mention, you know, Josh Heupel, what was like five or six? Oh, that was such a bad year offensively. What a horrible two-year stretch. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, never mind. But it just you can't help. You play that game, right? You play that game in your mind. Because what's the old wives' tale? Josh had said, I this offense is ready to I mean, Baker's the guy. He's the guy that, that we need. It's like we're going in another direction. And it ended up worked out well in the short term. Are you kidding me? But in the long term, right, you you, you can't help but watch what Tennessee is doing. And and I'll tell I'll say this much. I don't know if what Tennessee is doing is sustainable. You know, and, and that's not to say this year. I mean, you're as a college football program, you want what Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State have, right? And what I feel like Oklahoma has had historically, which is you might – you're just – boom. It's not a complete and total rebuild through the transfer portal. You're kind of trying to keep guys around, but you've got – like, for instance, Georgia graduated all of its defense. I mean, they were all drafted. Last year, and they're just as good defensively this year, even though the injury news is quite substantial. When you start thinking about losing Nolan Smith for the year for George, that hurts. But you want a top three, five recruiting class. You want the best defensive lineman. I, Tennessee, to me, while it's, I, I don't know how to say the kid's name, Nicholas 
the five-star quarterback. Lama, Lama Lieva? I mean, he's also the number one volleyball recruit in the country. Is um, that an I or an L? I, I, think it's an, I think it's an L. But, you know, they're bringing him in. But it's, you're in a perfect storm right now in Tennessee, right? Hinton Hooker is on his third team. I mean, this is like Rich Gannon winning the MVP. You've got, what, a couple transfer wide receivers that are making all the difference. They had to completely rebuild their roster after, you know, the fallout of 2019. So, I don't know. I, I don't like to fall into that trap too very often. Yeah, and, and then again, there's always those that defend. This just came in from the 402. Let's not forget that Josh had the worst quarterback at OU in the last three decades as well. He's the all-time leading passer in Oklahoma Sooner history. I'll lay off Landry Jones. Now, this texter can say, I never mentioned anyone by name. Were they talking about Trevor Knight? I think he's talking about Landry Jones. Sir, can you confirm, sir? Sir. Um, Landry was not that. The worst? There's some that feel that way. So you're gonna, Which is you're, insanity. You're opening up a Pandora's box here. On the, on the Tennessee discussion. Sure, go ahead. So this, uh, this next quarterback, let's call him quarterback Nick, okay? <laughs> because, again, do not know how to pronounce it. I honestly think it's Yamaleva. It's, it's, I think. It's, it's, it's with an I. It's Ayamaleva. There you go. I think that's right. Travis, help us. <laughs> Please, we need your assistance. <laughs> Long story short is to say what you've seen at these other places that you mentioned is continuity, right? You've seen sure. it carry over. We've seen this be great with Hinden Hooker, and now we've got to see the next quarterback, right? We've got to see the next iteration of Tennessee. Can they be sustainable? Because other places have, have been just that. Now, if if uh, Josh Heupel does that, then all of a sudden you say, okay, look, Tennessee's probably not going anywhere. He clarified he was Trevor Knight. Okay, I, sir, I apologize. It's my first ever apology for the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And no, no from the 405. You keep Patrick Fletcher's name out of your mouth, Kyle High Club. P. Fletch, man. That is one handsome dude. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's sustainable. It's like we were talking about with, with USC, just 2022. They've turned the ball over once, and they've forced 16 turnovers. That's not sustainable. It's just not. It's not reality. That's not to S all over Tennessee's parade or anything. I still think that's going to be a great game with Georgia this weekend. In fact, there was Nico. It's not Nick. Nico, gotcha. Yeah. Nico. Where did I get Nick from? Oh, well, it's that's, Nicholas. That's, that's what his 99.9% of people that, that have a first name, Nicholas, you think Nick, but he goes by Nico. Okay. My apologies for not following the uh, Tennessee recruiting very closely. Right, or volleyball recruiting. You're going to get in trouble with Kyle Walton. Make sure you got your, your eyes on Josh Elmer. But it's, it's not anything to worry about if I'm a Tennessee fan. Who cares what next year brings? You're one of the best teams in college football, and you're winning right now. That's, that's my other problem with recruiting, and it sucks for coaches because it's almost as if you don't allow yourself to enjoy the now. I'm like this. I, I say this a lot. I'm like this as a fan of my NFL team. When they're good, it's not, wow, they're 6-1. and one. We're playing well. It's, oh, gosh, what are we going to do in the draft next year? Are we going to be able to sign this guy? I, I, are we going to be able to keep this player? I'm with you. 
I'm with you. <laughs> well, Tennessee should enjoy the now, right? I mean, obviously, huge game this week, and if they win that, then all of a sudden they can legitimately start setting their sights on we're a college football playoff national championship I guess contender. The bo- I guess the bottom line, too, in, in, in all of this is to take it back to kind of what started this mess. I, I'm not getting caught up in the playing of the what-if games, right? Josh is doing great at Tennessee. Who knows? Maybe it doesn't work out unless he has to kind of go rebuild things and adjust through Missouri and then Utah or Utah State, then Missouri, and be the head coach at UCF. I mean, I, I just I don't know. But I don't play that game very much. I'm happy for him. No doubt. And it played out great for Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield. So the idea that you're going to just plug in – Plug and play, play, right? And all of a sudden, Heupel's going to get the same results. It's not guaranteed that way. And for Heupel, you know, sometimes you got to spread your wings a little bit, right? I mean, I think it was best for all parties that it kind of played out the way that it did in retrospect. It probably didn't feel that way at the time. But in retrospect, it has been best, I think, for all parties. Agreed. All right, let's hit a little Ted Roof after the break. It's 1036, plus your Air Comfort Solutions texts. Um, I do feel like I at least owe you one one Ted Roof cut here since I I promised it, but he was open. His opening question was about, hey, feel like the defense played better, much better against the run. Kind of how'd you feel about things looking back at the tape on Sunday night? And oh, there were a lot of improvement, uh, and at the same time, you know, there's a lot of things that we got to get better at. But we certainly did a better job against that. Um, you know, but could have been better. Uh, you know, the quarterback scramble there. I think it was a 28-yard gain there in the, the fourth quarter. That was uh, that was disappointing. But uh, overall, yeah, I mean, it was it was improvement. There was an improved physicality, uh, but there's still a lot of meat left on the bone. And uh, hopefully, that that does give us some confidence. And but again, you the, the work ethic and the belief and the commitment of our guys, you see a incremental improvement. And there certainly was that. And uh, we need we need to, to do the same thing this week because uh, Baylor's really really physical up front and uh, they're going to pound the ball and uh, I think the last uh, the, the running back of the last two games he's played has had over uh, 30 carries in both of the games so uh, you know they're, they're they're committed to running the football and then all the things that come off a a, a very uh, very efficient, very good run game. All the play actions, the boots, the things that, the screens, the things that come off of it. You know, when you start adding people to the box to take care of the run game, um, you know, then you then you got to play the deep balls. So uh, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of opportunities at the same time, and uh, it'd be a big challenge for us. And we got to have a great week of preparation. There you go. More from Ted Riff coming up next. It's the Plank Show right here on the Ref. <laughs> All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Did you hear that story from Steel Man? No. That was pretty good. Uh, it'll tell it during the break. It's not a bad thing. It's just people were mad about the color of his energy drink from this past weekend. Really? Yeah, apparently he had an orange energy drink in the uh, studio. And when he oh took a picture, man. everyone freaked out. Steel Man, though, was mentioned last night in my, uh, in my exit from the, I think it's called Trunk or Treat, whatever it is. But Washington does up Halloween. Don't come. Washington. Washington, Oklahoma does up Halloween. Now, don't come. You don't have to come. But if you do, it's really awesome. It's one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. I love my community. And when I was leaving. Me when too. I, I love coming over there and getting all the candy. <laughs> steal all the candy. But whenever I 
whenever I was leaving, I saw one of my friends. I, I don't think she'll mind me mentioning it on the air, but Bailey Bowles, who I got to know whenever she was she, – she went to Wayne. So if you're a, a graduate of Wayne, then that means in some way, shape, or form, you know Kaylee Clifton. And so they would come to the games, and I got to know her and, and her family and uh, met her fiancé, Kale. Kale Winton, they got, they got engaged. So I, I believe they got engaged. Yeah, okay. That was really uncomfortable if I had forgotten. But that was the one thing. She goes, hey, do you know Mike Steely? I was like, do I know Mike Steely? He had the audacity to have an orange monster energy in studio whenever we're the Sooners show. Well, yeah, they were all talking about their connections to Steelman and Shay, and it was really cool. It's a good night. Hey, you fuel up however you have to. Why do people get so mad about fl- If there fl- was orange coffee... I would drink the orange coffee. Dave Aranda had his press conference, and uh, I believe, and was asked on how this year's OU's offense compares to the Ole Miss offense that Baylor played in the Sugar Bowl. Here's what the Baylor head coach had to say. Hold on. Wait for it. Dave. Here we go. Uh, it's a good question. There's, there. I think the tempo is is familiar. I think um, there's there's less spread out sets. Uh, at least you know uh, here lately, there's been more of a focus on the run game, and um, almost you know there's there's a fair amount of runs that you remember back from OU a year ago to two years ago, kind of shown up. Um, whereas before it. You know, I think when you're looking at Ole Miss, there was some of that, but it was just more speed and more balls on the perimeter. We're uh, here lately, and as was kind of highlighted before, I think some of it is to help just the overall team and the pace of play and the defense and that. And so, um, so there's some, but not a lot. There's Dave Aranda's perspective. I really hate him. You do? Yeah, I just. I just don't understand why he sounds like he's on muscle relaxers or something. Always, he knows. I don't. I don't hate him. I should take that back. But I, I listening to one of his press conferences, I just despise it. Um, people get mad about speech patterns from coaches. They say um and you know and uh too much. And my opinion is, stand up in front of right. You know, at minimum, maybe what. 15 to 20 people assembled and try to do your job whenever you're asked why this isn't working. Good point. I'm sorry, Dave. Get your mind. I take it back, dude. No, 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 but he's we we got to get him some we got to get him some juice. Do you think he'd go somewhere else? Would he take one of these jobs? Is he going to be a candidate for one of the Wisconsin, Nebraska, Auburn jobs? Maybe. I just Okay, big picture here real quick. This is a little bit away from OU Baylor, but thinking about Aranda, you know, and, and names like J- Jeff Levy are going to be brought up in this coaching cycle. I think everyone kind of realized what happened against Texas. That's not going to be held against him. And, you know, I've – gosh, man, I just – I've been so impressed with Jeff Levy. He's a rock star. I, I'll never forget whenever we went to Baylor a couple years ago. I think it was Ted – Talked about catching up with him, and I didn't know anything about about Jeff. And um, he said, 
He's like, listen, I love the dude. He's awesome. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, he's he's great. He's he's amazing. See, I think he was a running backs coach at Baylor. And when I, you know, obviously had a chance to immerse myself in the new coaching staff and meet him, dude, he's a rock star. So it's not a matter of if he's going to get a head coach's job. Jeff Levy's going to be a head coach, and he's going to be really good, really good. So when you think about the coaching cycle, I, I haven't had a chance to sit down yet and say, what matters to you? We, we did a little bit with Alex Grinch, which is why I think Alex Grinch is going to go to Arizona State. But I bring all that up because I wonder how maybe the vision of what you can do in a place like Waco has changed, Josh, based on the new Big 12, the 12-team playoff, what's going on in, in Waco, right? It's just that place is blowing up. And trust me, they have the construction to prove it. So I don't know, bringing that back full circle to Aranda, if he feels the need to go somewhere else to compete for a championship. If, you know, he is a guy that he's been a lot of places, right? Dave Aranda has been a lot of places in his career. I mean, I was I was trying to just pull it up, but I think we did this last year. And you're looking at, you know, a stint for him that he's a relatively young coach, but let's just say since since he took over as a GA at Texas Tech, in the span of 22 years now, he's been in Lubbock, Houston, Cal Lutheran, Delta State, Southern Utah, Hawaii, Utah State, Wisconsin, LSU. I mean, that's it's a lot of traveling. And so maybe for him it's, yeah, we found a, a pretty good spot here. Let's just let's hang. And we can have success here. I don't know. But if his goal is maybe to go somewhere a little bit bigger, get a bigger payday, I think most of these places would kind of trip over themselves to hire him right now, especially Nebraska, right? Sure. Somebody that's a proven winner. Right. Maybe Wisconsin because he'd had success there, and he was there for a couple years, whatever. They had good runs. I just think that's going to be an interesting storyline as this season progresses. Um. <laughs> From the A17, I would think Aranda doesn't leave the Big 12. It gets easier soon with OU and Texas out. And in fairness, they've they've had a lot of success with OU and Texas in this league. 1050, quick break. There's the Aranda clip that kind of caught my ear talking about the running game and how maybe it's not necessarily completely similar to what they saw in 20. 22 wasn't that game in the new year against Ole Miss, but it's very similar to what they've seen historically from Oklahoma. We'll hear a little bit more from Ted Roof. Get you ready for the top five stories of the day next, right here on the ref. That came out of that where some of those young guys got, you know, valuable game reps, and there's no substitute for that. So there was some positive that that was the positive that came out of it, and, uh, you know, which should give us, you know, as we continue to go through the season. Uh, a little bit more depth with some guys that have had some some game reps, you know. Ted Roof, Sooner defensive coordinator, when asked about Billy Bowman's injury and seeing young guys get more of an opportunity as we welcome you back into the Plank Show. And maybe not just young guys, Josh Helmer, but also seeing someone like a Key Lawrence emerge. Sure. You know, he's he battled some injuries. I feel like I know this is – Kind of a tough thing to say, but I kind of feel like 
Justin Broyles is a target for Sooner fans' frustration quite a bit, and I don't think we'll be calling his name on draft day, but it seems like he's playing with a little bit more confidence, Had a little bit more I-A-T. control, really nice catch. Which, again, in fairness, you go back to – I was thinking about the 2020 game when we were driving home. How many of those opportunities did the Sooners drop in 2020 that probably could have changed that game? So it's a little thing. It doesn't matter, I guess, in the whole grand scheme of things, but you're seeing them make plays, and that's a big difference maker in my book. Um, One more thing here from Ted Roof real quick. We got time, 58. He was asked, Bob Prisbillo asked him, hey, what were some of your initial thoughts whenever you took over and Deshaun White was in your room? What kind of stood out about him? And go. Uh, I knew he was a, a guy that had a lot of ability and uh, had been a solid player. Um, and he played his best football game this past Saturday. Uh, he's become more physical, um, more uh, decisive when he makes a decision. He sees it and he goes. And uh, playing with more confidence. And, uh, you know, he's been playing well for us and need to continue to him to, you know, finish his. Oklahoma career in the, in the right way. Big story developing for Saturday's game is the weather. Now, we've seen an adjustment in the forecast. It looks like it's going to be pretty nasty on Friday. We'll go in-depth on the weather forecast with the Norman Peeps tomorrow at 1030 right here on the show. In the meantime, top five stories today next.